Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome. Thanks for downloading The World in 10. It's your catch-up on the big global stories in 10 minutes from the Times of London. I'm Stuart Willey. And I'm Rebecca Myers. Today, Israel says we are at war as the conflict with Hamas sees a shocking escalation. We'll find out what happened to Jacinda Ardern after she left politics. And history is made as one gymnast tumbles all the records. When we came in this morning... We were immediately on the phone to our colleagues in Israel, reacting to the news that Hamas had launched rockets and sent gunmen over the border. A couple of hours later, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, had declared, we are at war. There were also reports of Israeli civilians being taken into the Gaza Strip. There have been serious escalations throughout today, including retaliatory strikes by Israel, and hundreds of people are dead and injured on both sides, a figure that's expected to rise. This is a major development in the region and in many ways unprecedented. And we wanted to get the best insight into why this is happening. Louise Callahan, Middle East correspondent for the Sunday Times, told us that this attack was a huge surprise. No one saw this coming. I think that's, you know, it's so important to understand this. Just a, just a couple of days ago, then, Israel actually brokered a truce with, uh, to, to end protests that had been taking place on the, uh, on the Palestinian side in Gaza, uh, on the border fence there. So that was a Qatar-brokered truce. The situation in Gaza just a couple of days ago was calm. Of course, there are, there are these ongoing tensions that, that have been for a very long time. There's, there have been attacks by, by settlers in the West Bank. There have been all these kind of ongoing things that have been happening, but there, there has not been sort of one significant trigger for this. This is clearly an operation that was highly managed, very long in the making. And this is all, you know, Hamas organized this while the enclave is under a very strict blockade from Israel and Gaza. The area that uh, that Hamas now managed to, to bust out of and to apparently take control of, this is an incredibly highly securitized border area. It's not just a fence, you know, it's many, many layers of protection. And they've really had this place under lockdown. But they have just managed to push through. And these scenes are like nothing else that Israel has seen in the last 50 years. Now, Hamas have launched rockets before. But Louise explains why the attack we're seeing now is different. Hamas has always said, we're going to strike back when the time is right. It's a a constant thing that they're always putting out. But this time they've actually done it. The recriminations from this are going to be enormous. Israel has already started striking back, but I can't see any way out of this apart from a full-scale war in Gaza. I was last there a couple of years ago during the during the last war, and that was that included significant Israeli airstrikes after Hamas uh, barrages of rockets. And yet that was devastating. This this enclave it's a 140 miles squared. The civilians that live there are basically in a large open air prison because of the restrictions from from Egypt and and from Israel. They are now going to be waiting to feel these repercussions come back at them. It was really fascinating to hear from. 
Louise there and she is a real expert on this area and this issue and she's written some really insightful analysis which you can read on the Times website now. This is obviously also a really fast-moving story and we've got reporters on the ground and all the latest developments so do head to thetimes.co.uk. very close to home for you Stuart because it literally is your home New Zealand and you cast your vote in the elections there from here London last night yes I I scanned my voting paper uploaded it and did my democratic duty for another year amazing it's been quite an unusual election yeah the campaigning has been pretty divisive it's been a pretty messy election campaign there they're fighting fiercely. Jacinda's centre-left Labour Party are trying to stay in power. Yeah, that's the former Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, who was a, a big player on the international stage, kind of one of the few politicians, if you don't mind me saying, from, from your part of the world, <laughs> to be internationally recognised in that way. And she shocked everyone, I think, the whole world when she quit at the start of the year. We often wonder, I think, what happens to politicians once they leave office. You know, is it time to, to start a charity to write that book they've always been, been thinking about or talking about? Or is it time for some to spend some time in some courtrooms defending their actions? I think I know who you're talking about <laughs> there. But this week, Jacinda Ardern's been on social media. She's saying she voted in that election just like I did. She did it in New York. She's been urging other overseas voters from New Zealand to follow suit. The Sunday Times reporter James Salmon has been telling us why Jacinda was in New York and not campaigning at home. Ardern was such a dominant force in New Zealand that her absence from the country during an election campaign hasn't gone unnoticed, as you'd expect. Uh, The reaction to her move to the US has has been mixed. She's gone from being a hugely popular figure at the height of the pandemic to being a very divisive one. So while she has plenty of supporters who've been wishing her well with her studies or saying how much they miss her as leader, others have been less impressed by her move and blame her for leaving the country in a state when she quit in January. Ardern is at Harvard University. She was offered three fellowships there. One of those involves studying how to stop the spread of extremist content online. She's really championed this issue since the Christchurch mosque terror attacks in 2019. If you remember, the first of those attacks was actually streamed on Facebook. While she's out there at Harvard, she will also be working on her political memoir and continuing her work as a trustee of Prince William's Environmental Earthshot Prize. So she's been keeping herself busy. Uh, The plan is to return to New Zealand once the first semester finishes in mid-December, so she could well be back in the country by Christmas. Nobel Peace Prize was awarded yesterday to a woman sentenced to 31 years in prison. Nargis Mohammadi for her fight against the oppression of women in Iran. Her brave struggle has come with tremendous personal cost. Ms. Mohammadi is still in prison as I speak. She's 51 and serving multiple sentences in Iran's notorious Evin prison. She's even been lashed for resisting the regime. The Nobel Committee say the prize also recognises that hundreds of thousands of people who took to the streets there protesting the oppression of women. The Nobel Committee had even repeated the slogan chanted by those protesters, Women, Life, Freedom, and says she hopes the Iranian government will release her so she can receive her prize.
presidential portrait has a long history in the US, back to George Washington. But it's the portrait of Barack Obama you might remember. Rather than sitting at a desk, he's surrounded by nature, leaves, flowers, jasmine, African lilies. And that famous portrait was painted by Kehinde Wiley. He's a New York artist who came to much greater prominence when Obama's portrait went up. But it's what happened next that's really fascinating. Yes, over the past 10 years, Wiley's been painting portraits of some of Africa's most enduring leaders, including some notorious despots. They are on show at the Kai Branly Museum in Paris. And some of them are really striking. Oh, yeah. You can get a glimpse of some of them on the Times app now. It's a roll call of some of the continent's big political stars. Macky Sall of Senegal, who dissolved his government yesterday, he's painted as a naval commander sitting on the coast with his flag right behind him. Paul Kagame of Rwanda, he's been in charge for nearly 30 years. He's up there, as well as Alpha Conde and Felix Shisekedi. Kehinde Wiley says there's been some criticism of him for painting dictators, but that these colourful and sometimes gentle portraits, he says, are an echo of empire. And none of his subjects have to take a morality test. That is the sound of a goat. Not obviously the animal, but the greatest of all time, gymnast Simone Biles. It's a phrase that you hear a lot these days, especially Mm. in sport. But in this case, it's literally true. Simone Biles has become the greatest, most decorated gymnast in history. That's right. She won the all-around gold at the World Championships on Friday, her sixth of those titles, which is a world record in itself, bringing her total tally to 34. An amazing achievement. Tomorrow on The World in 10, hear about breaking records of a different kind. (laughs) You might have heard of the Cannonball Run from those 1980s films. Well, the 3,000-mile car chase across the US is actually a real thing, even if unsanctioned by the authorities. The journalist Alex Hannaford has been following one competitor's journey. During COVID, there were no cops on the road and there were no very few cars on the road for certainly for a year. Um, And during that time, the record was, you know, beaten several times in succession. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting idea for a story. But then I found out that, (laughs) oh, you know, that there's this uh, this Welsh guy who literally has his Audi on a ship across the Atlantic, like as we speak, waiting to do the cannonball run. Click, follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss this story out on tomorrow's World in 10. But for now, it's goodbye from the two of us. Goodbye.